it's so good again to be with everybody today, and uh, I'm so excited you've chosen to be with us on Halloween. Uh, you guys look amazing, by the way. Uh, all, all of you have a mask on. That's incredible. So everybody dressed up whether you wanted to or not. Uh, I will say, though, in our kids' space today, they're having a blast. Everybody's dressed up there. Uh, we just were too, um, we're too put together as adults, right? So uh, later on today, though, I will be dressing up. I'm excited to go trick-or-treating with our kids. The neighborhoods around here, I think, are some of the best in the country to engage Halloween with. So if you've got a stoop or something, man, have fun this evening. And I think the weather's going to be good. So my kids are excited. Um, we're all going as Nintendo-themed type of thing. So it should be fun. So if you see a Joy-Con controller walking around, that's me. All right? So I look forward to seeing you later on today. And uh, yeah, so today we're beginning a new series called Being Rich, Being Rich. And if you're here in person, you've got some cars that are probably interesting to you. And uh, we, I'm excited about this series. I'm actually really excited about the month ahead. And I mentioned it earlier, but we have Toasting Fall coming and uh, next week. And we would love for you to be part of this. We need you to sign up online uh, to bring a brunch item. It's under our events page. And we want you to have fun with us before the service begins next Sunday. So at 1015, the brunch begins and it leads right up until 11 a.m. So come early next week. All right. So, you know, depending on who you are, come early to come early, you know, so because anyway, but um, we would love to have brunch with you and hang out. We're excited to bring this back. And so that's happening in one week from today. And we're going to be celebrating and doing a bunch of things this coming month. We have a baby dedication coming up. Just a lot of awesome opportunities. New City Kids is coming. I'll talk about this in a little bit. But we just came out of a series on relationships, how to have a great marriage and friendships and other things, right? So we've been learning to, to trust God and in his heart for us. And so a key, a key verse that came out of this series was Psalm 32.8, where it says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathways for your life. And I will advise you and watch over you. And so just like our relationships, we're learning to trust him, that he wants to lead us towards life. In fact, I want you to listen to these words of Jesus. John recorded this. And it's an unreal statement, incredible statement that we should really think about and ponder greatly. It says this, it says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is Jesus' words. And so I don't know what you think life is and having it to the full. Jesus, I've come for you to have life and have it to the full. He says, the thief, there's... There's, there's things that want to distill our joy away and things that entice us and we think that are incredible. He says, no, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, I'm just thinking about this this week. It's like essentially everything in our life is trying to make this statement, right? Like everything is, something is trying to fulfill this promise in some way. And so you're hearing this from Jesus and you, maybe some of you are like, I, I'm trying to figure out if that's really true or not. And if he really, that, like that really is, and so there's several things, and it's offering this phrase to you. So Netflix is coming to you and saying, I, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And then we're like, oh, we we're offended by the Chappelle thing. We're like, oh, no, but I've got Squid Games for you, right? Like, I just, just look over here. And we're like, oh, yeah, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, right? And I think if you think about this in history, it makes you laugh. Like, I was... And I was trying to think about things like this that I've had. And like phones are always trying to offer this to you. And so 
uh, you know, Samson's got the flip thing that they're saying, hey, come and do this. But I was thinking about, uh, this is not that long ago, but I used to have this phone. I think I've got a picture of it. It's the Sony Ericsson. Man, this was my jam. Like, when this phone came out, I was like, this is great. Like, I don't, I remember I could access the internet with it, and I could chat with my wife. We were just beginning to date, and it cost me a lot of money. I was like, but I can do this. And I remember being excited. I don't know what it was about this phone. I really liked it. And this is what's funny. As this phone came out, this, is, this was Sony holding on to the past and trying to move forward. But they had the Sony Walkman on it. Like, and so they're trying to hold on to it because they had the CD player and everything else that they were really proud of. And it was probably big, you know, helpful and sell, it's a lot, it's made a lot of money. But, but this was in response really to the iPod. They're like, we know people still need phones. So the iPod was out. So they're like, oh, you can do an MP3 player. And you've got great sound and headphones, which they, they probably should have you know, honed in on that one. We've now learned how important that is. And we love that. But uh, this was quickly outdated because, I mean, the iPod was there. And then not, around the same time, the flip phone came out. And, like, they were like, this is $500. This is so revolutionary. And people, and we were like, what? $500? And so, I mean, all the while, Apple's like, yeah, yeah. We're behind the scenes. They're just laughing and watching all this chaos happen. And then the iPhone comes down and says, no, I have come that you may have life. And, and, it put all the, and this thing was quickly, quickly put out to date. And I remember being sad. I mean, this thing boasts a megapixel, oh no, 1.8 inch LCD screen. That's pretty impressive, right? 1.8. I mean, now the, the pixel resolution is 128 by 160. If you know anything about that, it's funny. Like, our current pixel resolutions wouldn't even fit on this 1.8 inch screen. So, anyway, things just say, I have come that you have my half life. Like, vacation comes. Oh, you, COVID's enough. You can go and you can find a beach now. And, Come, I have come that you may have life. And maybe something else is, no, 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 the new job with better benefits, flexibility, and hours. Now, I have come that you may have life. And you're like, whoa, no, this is not good. How about, no, 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 a dry-aged steak from a prestige New York steakhouse with all the sides on a sizzling hot plate. Now, I have come that you may have life. And then some of you are like, no, not, not like steak. How about brunch? Like Saturday, 2 p.m., I've slept in as long as possible. The newest cocktails on a roof deck. Now that's, I have come for that. Like that's, maybe you say, well, maybe along with that, a full body massage or body care or a facial wax, something, a lift, lift, get something lifted. Now that has come for you to have life and have it to the full. Here's the thing. Like I love all of these things. Maybe not the, the facial, that's not a big thing, or the lift, you know, I take to my mouth, that's what I'll do with the lifting, that's about it. That was a really bad joke, I'm sorry. Um, things, like I, I talk about them, am I cutting any now? Let's see. I talk about them, I plan for them, you know, I, 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 I plan life around it, I think about it, I talk about these things, I love it, like, can, guess what, I experience some life with them, it's true. Like, you're like, man, this was awesome. I enjoyed this. This was great food. Here's the thing is I keep needing them, right? I, I keep needing them. And I, I, I go on vacation. I come back. And I'm like, hey, I'm ready to go right now again. Like, I need another one. It, didn't actu- it actually didn't fulfill me. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes they actually make me feel worse because of how pe- they pale, how my life pales in comparison, how my real life actually is compared to the things that I was doing. And my problems are still that life actually didn't improve. 
So I'm going to switch. Mike promises me life. Okay, there we go. So now my hands get to do all kinds of fun things. But they actually don't fill my life. And so there's a difference. There's a difference between something giving us life and enjoyment and something being the meaning of our lives, to be the reason that we live for it. There's a difference between these two things. And intentional or not, these lines between these two of just enjoying life and then being the meaning of our life, the lines between these just get blurred, especially in our hearts. It just it gets blurred. And the life we feel engaging in whatever thing it is for you are like little glimpses of eternity. They are. Because we're like, oh, man, I can feel life. Like, I can feel that. And we do something like, oh, I, I feel happy. I can feel happiness. We know it's there. We know it exists. We're like, oh, I can be fulfilled in something. Even if for a moment, I know what that feels like to be fulfilled. It was there. I know that that exists. And we experience these great emotions or pleasure or we, we, we accomplish something incredible. We're able to do something at a high level. And we feel this life. And so we tie them together. And we pursue it more and more. We're like, i got to have that. And really, and some things can last for a while. Everything's different, but only time will tell. And time reveals, usually, that it didn't really keep on doing that. And we needed more of it, or we have to do it again. It didn't actually improve real life, whatever that is. And so we're searching. We're searching for that, and it's so deep inside of us. And so the truth is all these things are temporary. They're temporary. None of these things really last. But it is also true that you were made to find life, that you were made to experience happiness. You were made to be fulfilled. That is true. That is true. And God has made you for this. God has made you for this. Solomon, in all his wisdom, wrote this incredible uh, group of scriptures we call Ecclesiastes. And he's pondering about this. Solomon is one of the wisest people ever lived, one of the most successful, and had an un unreal wealth. And he says, he says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. It's incredible. He says, but even so, still, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. I love how beautiful this writing is. He's like, he said, God has planted eternity in our hearts. We know it's there. We know we can experience that. He said, even, even, be, be, even with that, we still can't see and understand and fathom the scope of all that he has done from beginning to what's coming. It's unreal how much time God spends. But it's in our heart. And everything you are pursuing in your life, every dream, 
Every financial goal, every ambition, every desire, every pleasure, God knows. God knows. There's a chance he put it in your heart. He made you experience that. And maybe that's why you're here today, because you're searching, because you know this deep down. You know this. You've experienced some of these things, and you know that you're made for more. And so I want us today to learn what it means to be rich, to really mean what it means to be rich. We're going to flip this term on its head. And I want you to engage with us over the next several weeks. Is if you allow, I think this is something that will impact your life in, in, in incredible ways. And I want us to listen to the words of Jesus and begin to hear what he talks about when he says. So I want to list the, start with these, these two things. This is two different times that Jesus said this statement. This is phenomenal. And so this is found in Matthew 10. And Jesus says, whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Okay, we say, well, what does that mean? Well, he, he comes across this statement again, and both of these statements come out of incredible circumstances, and, and really some statements that are really hard sometimes for people even to hear and to take. But Jesus is leading us and leading our hearts, and he says here in Matthew 16, he says, he says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. So you, you want to be lifesavers. Everything we do is about saving our lives, right? So, like, we're, we're actually in huge debates in our society about how that actually happens right now, right? And so, you know, even in greater ways, but we're, we're constantly pursuing that. Whoever wants to save their life will lose, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. He says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give? in exchange for their soul. It's a nice statement on Halloween, right? <laughs> He's like, you can gain everything. You can get at the top of the world and yet miss the true meaning of life. That's what this says. What good will it be? And He's leading our hearts. He's leading our hearts. It's incredible. Jesus is on this pursuit, to, this pursuit to redirect our lives towards what matters the most. He is after your heart. And this is interesting to think about, but he was the only one who was completely unfiltered by wrongdoing. He was the only one completely unfiltered by a greedy heart or this, this, this agenda that's only what's, you know, what's in it for this and to, you know, this, you know, something behind the curtain, whatever it may be. He was the only one completely unfiltered by sin and selfishness. It didn't exist in him at all. And so his words for us, his, his, his pursuit of us, the way he wants to lead us, he was able to 100% unconditionally love and engage and lead us and talk to us with what we actually need. He's the only one who was really able to do this. And all the while, he engaged with the life and the things that we wanted and we pursued. And, 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 and as he pursued people for real life, he was engaging them with life. And I love it. He was at the parties. The religious people couldn't stand that, right? He was accused of hanging out with the non-religious, the unclean people, 
and drinking and eating with him. How dare he? I mean, his very first miracle, and I love this, and this puts anybody who's Baptist or whatever, uh, makes him uncomfortable. That's okay. But he turned water into wine. That was his first miracle. He's like, we're just going to kick these things off in a real way. It was a week-long wedding, and at the end, they usually do the cheap wine, and they ran out. And he's like, all right. It's an incredible story. You should read it sometime. He was engaging with us in life. I love it. He didn't retreat and condemn. He came to love. It's, an, it's awesome. It's one of the most important things that our heart is drawn to, and it's talked about all throughout scriptures, and it is money. It is money. Money is one of, one of the keys to our hearts. And so it's interesting because Scripture talks about this more than it does heaven. And so this is something else that Jesus said, and this is found in Luke 16. He says, no servant can be the slave of two masters. Such a slave will hate one and love the other or will be loyal to one and despise the other. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. The two don't exist. The two don't exist. And he knows that money is tied to our hearts. It's interesting. This is not a new message. This is something that's been with us for a while. And God has been leading us in this message about money from the beginning. And so Solomon is one of these people. And this is really interesting because we don't see Scripture saying, hey, money is bad. That's not what we see. In fact, we see God leading us. This is for next week, and this is a fascinating thought and conversation that really challenges us in our culture today. But, but Jesus, God, appointed some people to be rich and appointed some people to be poor. Because he doesn't view us like that. He views us as our hearts are. He's leading us. We're getting into that next week, and it's a fascinating conversation. But Solomon was blessed specifically by God, and, and he was so wise that the whole world around him was at peace because of this. And the leaders in, in, of countries would just come to him for wisdom, and they just started piling gold on him. I'm not kidding. Like, they were just making gold out of everything possible. They had so much wealth. The Queen of Sheba, who's well known because in her history, whatever, is, is known because of her encounter with Solomon. And she came to Solomon and was like, whoa, the wisdom that I've heard about is real. And she's like, here's, here's a bunch of stuff. Here's a bunch of gold. I'm not kidding. And so Solomon is, is encountered this wealth, and he's writing Ecclesiastes, and he's pondering about all these things. And he says here, he's, he says, one, this is found in Ecclesiastes 5.10. He says, one who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor one who loves abundance with its income. He says, this too is vanity, which means this is empty. He says, the person who loves money will never be satisfied with money. Nor the person who loves abundance with its income. He says it's empty. It's empty. It's fascinating. And we need to know this and understand this deeply. And so all of Scripture that we see in the instructions we see directly from Jesus point us to a life that's not abandoning money, no, but, that, but that's purposeful with money. Just like you and I need to be intentional about our relationships, we also need to be intentional with money. The same thing is true there. And because money is tied to our hearts, we resist conversations about this more than just about any other topic. 
And if you're some, I mean, the church has done a terrible job, by the way, with this overall. I'll just admit that straight up. And that's another reason why we many times do. And that's why I want to point us to the heart of God. That we resist it. And if you feel tension there, that's something that should clue us in. Like, why is it that we do feel so much tension with this? It's because it's tied to our hearts. So God isn't after your money. FYI, he doesn't need it. I mean, if he's God, right? He doesn't need it. So what is he after? He's after you. He wants to save your life. And not only that, but help you have it and live it to the full. And you should think about those words of Jesus and meditate on that. I love this. So that's what Jesus is leading us towards, and it's, it's, it, whether it was money or something else. And so his, the people that were following him came to him asking them this. This is found in Matthew 22. They're like, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And they would ask him these questions. So he responds. He says, he, says, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He said the second is like it. He said the second is equally as important. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so as Christ followers, our lives are about loving God and loving others. We pursue that as a purpose in our life. We will experience great joy. And we first realize that we are not our own that we were bought at a price because of what Christ did for us. And we declare then that Jesus is our identity. He is our ultimate pursuit. And so we confess our sins. We follow him and we are baptized. And he is then the head of our lives. Wow. We love God and we love others. And if you're here today and you're on this pursuit and asking questions about who Jesus is, and you're not a Christ follower. This is your first question. It's really all about, is Jesus who he said that he was? And, and you can follow his lead, including on financial principles, and you will experience life there. That's it's absolutely true. But without him, you won't ultimately have peace and have life. And I encourage you, to, as you engage with us, to use every series as a place to pursue Christ and to find out more about him. It's amazing because I believe this, this, this series that we're engaging in will help you see it more about him maybe than anything else. The scriptures talk more about this subject than even heaven. It's so important. He talks about it a lot. It's fascinating. And so it's interesting to pursue it. Listen to these words from God, God's pursuit of us. This is Malachi 3.10. He just kind of lays it down. He says this. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and there, that there may be food in my house. And then he says this, he says, test me in this. In a modern day version, God's like, bring it on. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Interesting. So God wants you to be rich. Before you walk out, <laughs> we think, right, when we hear this, God wants you to be rich. That's true. We think money, right? Bring it, bring it on. Bring it in. Like, yeah. 
But God knows our hearts, remember? He knows who we are. And of Christ followers, we know different. You should know different. And as Christ followers here in Jersey City, we are here to, to declare that, yeah, we have life. We are rich. But not like maybe you would think. So listen to what being rich really is. And let's let these words sink down in our hearts. This is Jesus speaking to us. He says, do not store up riches for yourself here on earth where moths and rust destroy and robbers break in and steal. Instead, store up riches for yourself in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and robbers cannot break in and steal. For your heart will always be where your riches are. Do you hear that statement? What's that key word? He says, your, what? Your heart will always be where your riches are. Fascinating. Second Corinthians, the apostles are teaching us all throughout the New Testament on this. And it says this, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, so like a farmer, right, you sow and you reap. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give, then, what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Not because somebody's pushing you or pressuring you to. He says, for God loves a cheerful giver. God wants, when, you, when we give, God wants you to give out of joy. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound with tons and tons of money. Is that what it says? You abound in tons of riches. What does it say? No, he says, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He is pursuing something in you that you will abound. You'll be blessed in good works, good deeds. This is the natural overflow of when we serve him with our heart. Incredible. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19 says this. It says, command those, teach those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or not to put their hope in wealth. It doesn't say condemn people for being rich. Understand that. He says, command them to not be arrogant or not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He says, command them to do good, to be rich. Command them to be rich. What? In good deeds. There it is. To be rich in what matters most. This is what fulfills you and me. And some of us are, are blessed with great money. Some of us are not. We're all across the spectrum on that. But to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And in, in this way, you will lay up treasure for yourselves. They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, for eternity. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? This is what the heart of God is wanting to lead you and I. And so I want 
you to be challenged to think about money and God completely different. That is my goal, that we learn what it means to be rich. And I've, I've had times in my life where I've had money in abundance, and I've, I've had times in my life where I have budgeted money every month down to the penny because I needed every penny of it. And the joy in my life wasn't tied to that at all. In fact, I almost look more fondly back at the times we were, I was tight, and when Aaron and I, we were tight, than when we weren't as much. Because there was so much joy and wisdom that came out of that, we always trusted God in those times. So this month, I want to challenge and call every DCC attender to make three commitments. And this is why you have this card. And you probably can't see it that well, which is probably helpful for me. Because <laughs> you come in and you're like, what is this? And if you're a first-time guest, you're like, I knew it. Like, right? So we don't actually like to talk about money a whole lot here. But I want to challenge us this month to make three commitments. To give, to serve, and to love. To give, to serve, and to love. Because this is not just, this is not about money. This is about our hearts, about a way of life in which we engage. And remember, this is between you and God, right? This is for you to seek Him about. It's because Paul says, right, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, right? So this is, right? So this is between you and God. That we want to we learn to give. So we want to learn to have a way of life where we give a percentage of what we make to God. And that's something that you give. And so how do you do that? You do it through your local church. And then I want us to raise $5,000. I have a goal for us to give $5,000 to New City Kids. And New City Kids is coming in a couple of weeks. And we're really excited about this. And they're going to share about their mission, their story. And, and we have them come a couple of times a year. They're an unreal, amazing after-school program. They hire teenagers in this city in, in underserved areas. And so you have incredible value and worth. And they hire them to teach elementary, middle school students and lead them in after-school programming. And those, they pour into those high school students as well and lead them into college prep. And like 99% of their students uh, get, get into college and graduate. And many of them have master's degrees. Some of them are coming back and they're changing. They're, they're, they're doing generational change in this city. And we love them. And we want to be rich in good works. And so I want us to think about how you, can, you and I can give. And to give $5,000 to them. That's a goal for us over this next month. We want to learn to be generous. And then I want you to think about a financial goal that you have for yourself. This is for you. This is for you, not for me. And I want you to take this and think about this. Maybe your goal will be to, to get out of debt or to reduce the debt in your life or to actually have a plan for your money. There's things that you can begin to think about and do because that is what it means to follow Christ is to be purposeful and to think about what we do. And then we want to serve. I want you to find one way to serve this month. Take an hour or two. Maybe that means you're part of our sharing place distribution this month where we, we uh, help bag supplies. And this month will be a, a greater need than the past ones because they get ready for Thanksgiving. There's some places next week we'll have opportunities for you to engage with our teams here at DCC. We want to invite you to serve, and then we want to invite you to love. We want you to do something thoughtful for someone 
in your city, in Jersey City. This is, calling your mom does not count, all right? Okay? You should do that anyway. <laughs> we don't learn to develop habits. This isn't a one-time thing. But develop a habit in our life to give, serve, and love. This is what Christ's followers are marked as. This is what we see Roman emperors were writing about the early church. And they were, they were dumbfounded because they were out giving and, and, and serving their cities. And they were known for everyone around them having no needs at all because they loved so well. It's written about them in history that no one around them had any needs. They lived in such an unbelievable way. We want to love our city, and our goal is that, that even, though, even if someone doesn't believe in Christ, that we change what they think about who Jesus is because of the action of our lives. And then after all of this, at the end, on November 21st, we're going to come back and we're going to celebrate. We're going to be sharing stories of impact that have happened in the past that are happening currently within our church family. We're going to celebrate with whatever part of the goal that we've reached towards New City Kids on the 21st. And I want to blow it up, throw a party, I don't know, whatever it is. But we want to come back and celebrate what it's meant to give, to serve, and to love together. So put this on your fridge or your mirror or your journal, or take a picture and put it in your phone screen. I want you to, this is for you to engage God with your heart. And before November 21st, we want to decide. I'm excited about this month. we got Toasting Fall next week. New City Kids is coming. Baby dedications are happening. And we're going to celebrate. Let's experience life and love this city with the life that we have. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your thoughtful words in our life. That you care about who we are, and I pray that we would trust that. We would think deeply about your words, that you've come, that we may have life and have it to the full. May we experience that this month. Jesus, we love you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.